Hey, pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by, you guessed it, Pete, and you guessed PJ. it. PJ. <laughs> you guessed it. It's welcome me. to the show, PJ. And welcome to the show, Pete. Thank um, you very much. We we're, are we're out. Ba- we're back. We're back. We're back from our uh, Doors Dudes hiatus. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't know took... now. Suppose it looks like I was looking through our podcast this morning in my podcast application, and it yes. appeared as though we released six or so episodes on the doors, but I don't remember recording any of them. And then my wife Shelby reminded me that I've been on LSD for six weeks, eating only beans, right. and I've yeah. been staying on our roof. So yeah, apparently well, we, we've we been took recording. The hiatus up there. to go record on the roof. Okay. Um, get you know how people do a bunch of heroin and they get heroin skinny. We did uh, that, but with beans, because beans are very healthy for you, Um, which we we cannot stress enough how how slim we are from these beans and LSD. We are, and that's how Jim Morrison got his delightful slim figure. I imagine that's right. Uh, That's right to fit into his stage leathers. Yeah, (laughs) we should get stage leathers, leathers, Pete. Absolutely. Next live show we do, man. We're doing some yeah. stage leathers. I don't know if any of our artists have a live album we're going to cover. The Doors, I think, had one, but fuck that. Um, no thanks. So, that is a guarantee. The next live show Peter and I do, we will be wearing maybe, stage leathers. I'm like, maybe Amy Winehouse, because I think she only had like two oh, studio Nirv- albums. Nirvana. So. We're going to do a live one. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we are. God damn it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I hate all unplugged albums, and I will definitely hate the Nirvana unplugged album. Wow, you hate all unplugged albums. I've never heard an unplugged album I like or seen an unplugged episode that I've liked. Wow. Let's yeah. look up some of the more famous unplugged and you're uh, going to well, tell me if you've old heard Slow Hand it. himself, of course. Yeah. I used to have that cassette tape. It came with a car I think my dad had that DVD like had that specific unplugged on DVD for sure. Ugh. Every every dad in in 2000, in the year 2000 had to own a copy of yeah. Eric Clapton, Unplugged, I'm pretty sure. Of course they did. Okay, so, Allman Brothers did one in, ni- or in the 90s. Oh, in 1990, they did one. Were they the first one? Or just oh, an early famous no, one? The the first one was, it looks like, Squeeze, Sid Straw, and Elliot Easton in 1989. Whoa. Um, well, but who knew? The Almonds would be, I guess, interested. Like, I'd be curious but also i don't think i would enjoy it that like i think i'd watch one song no. and i'd get the well, idea oh man 1990 was a wild year for mtv unplugged um stevie ray vaughn sure. and with joe satriani okay uh sinead o'connor don henley uh colin oates elton john aerosmith crosby stills elton john's Ed, always Spurs unplugged Smith. idiots yeah <laughs> he plays piano assholes <laughs> plays an acoustic um, instrument rat the Black Crows, <laughs> Almond Brothers Band, and Poison. Dude, Rat and Poison sound like the most miserable yeah. viewing experience I can imagine. But. Oh, I think we have to look up uh, a perform. Which one would you rather have, Rat or Poison? Oh man, I think Poison. Just I, yeah, I know Poison's hits better, so it will be a more dynamic difference. I think to me. It, they don't look unplugged to me. It looks like that's an electric guitar he's playing, but um, so confusing. Yeah, how hard do they police that? What if they yeah, if they walk out and they're just trying to do their normal show? Does someone from MTV have to get out there? Thanks a lot. This next song we're gonna do. Uh, 
This one is going to take us back uh, just a little bit. This one's called Every Rose Has a Stone. Goes like this. And help us sing this one. Oh, this one's already acoustic, I guess. Yeah, basically. Or at least the original version. This is Rod Stewart, yeah. right? No, this is Poison. No, I know, but didn't he write this? No. What song am I thinking? First Cut every, is the deepest? Every, yeah. Well, First Cut is the deepest wasn't even originally Rod Stewart. Are you thinking every picture has a story? No. Sorry, let's listen to this. <laughs> you know what? This one's not as different, so I don't think it's as funny. How about Your Mama Don't Dance? Sure. By Poison. originally a Loggins and Messina? I don't, I don't even know, man. Man. Unplugged. Wild. Alright, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, what song are you thinking? I don't know, man. I gotta find... Wikipedia is awful. They For people who like are famous for writing songs, they need to have that, but they just have the discography, you know? Yeah, well, first cut is the deepest. He did do that one, but that's originally by. I thought uh, he wrote that. Not Van Morrison. Um, <coughs> um, the other Cat Stevens. Okay, here we go. Songs written by Rod Stewart. Well, then that is news to me. I really thought he wrote first cut is the deepest. Oh, dude, have you heard first cut is the deepest by? Um, no. Cat Stevens. It's so good. Okay, well, I'm wrong. Rod Stewart wrote neither Every Rose Has Its Thorn nor First Cut is the Deepest, so I don't know what I'm thinking of. Welcome to the Cat Stevens, um, Cats. Oh, I guess it'd be Yusuf Islam. Fellas. She's taken almost all that I've got But if you want, I'll try to love again Oh, I didn't know the words Baby, I'll try to love again But I know The first cut is the deepest Baby, I know Anyway, yeah, that's not rules Much better yeah. than Rod Stewart's version Yeah All right Agreed Well Welcome to the show. I forget how we got to the <laughs> unplugged already. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. God, what if the doors didn't unplug? <laughs> uh, it actually wouldn't be that bad. The worst, here's the worst part of an unplugged set. And here's where I think MTV drops the ball. Yeah. If you're a band playing an unplugged set, you absolutely have to force the bass player to play an acoustic or upright bass. But I'm pretty sure they don't ever do that. Like, I think some bands do if the bass player has one. But I, I'm pretty sure almost every I've unplugged, never they play one. an electric bass. I've never seen them not play an electric bass. Right. I I have the, an image in my head of someone playing it, an acoustic bass in an unplugged, but maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, they. I think it, it's garbage that the fucking bass player somehow gets to play electric and then everyone else is unplugged. Where's the line? Where are the yeah. rules here? This There's is why no I don't rules. like unplugged. Yeah. Um, I just looked up an article, MTV Unplugged, the 15 best episodes. Okay, here the we cover go. cover photo, 
is a picture of Kurt Cobain playing yeah. his Well, they're going to be number guitar. one for sure. It's yeah. um, Oh, for sure. But then all of the pictures, there's a glitch in the website where they just did it wrong, are that same picture. So it says Rod Stewart and then has a picture of Kurt Cobain. Kiss with a picture. Okay. Oh, my God. Kiss did one? Rod Stewart uh, I can see Kurt being good. Kiss Oasis. I don't believe. Oasis I can see being good because they just, yeah, great. Paul McCartney. Sure. Why not? Lauren Hill. I bet that one was good. Yeah, that's a famous one. I don't love that one, but she doesn't. Uh, it's It was in a weird period for her. It was, I think, the last album she ever released. Yeah. Where she was like, she just did a lot of singing, and she has a great voice. But like, part of what I love about her is the mixture of singing and rapping, and so she—it's yeah. basically just all. Singing. Yeah, I, I don't uh, love that album. Pete, have you ever seen the film Sister Act Two: Back in the Habit? No. You love it. We'll talk about it off air. Okay, sure. Um, Neil Young, which I've heard good things about that oh, one. Yeah. Never seen it. I mean, no shit. Every yeah. li- you mean every live <laughs> Neil Young concert is Neil Young unplugged, and it's great. That is funny that some of these are just acoustic artists. Alicia Keys, Hole. I cannot imagine Hole. Wow. Hole is number eight on the list, and that sucks. Sorry, Jake. Wild. But yeah, that's craziness. Um, Mariah Carey. Okay. <laughs> LL Cool J, A Tribe Called Quest, and De La Soul all together. Sure. I mean, um, yeah, I can see that. Like they're, yeah, yeah. I I can see that for sure. Eric Clapton. Yeah, of course. Allison Chains, Jay Z. Okay. Okay. Number two, Pearl Jam. Number one, Nirvana. Yeah. So right. this is a it's a really bad list. Okay. Yeah. Basically, it's all bands that I don't have an interest in listening to, plugged, much less unplugged. So yeah, the the only one there that I was like, oh, the only ones that sound intriguing, Paul McCartney. Yeah, Paul McCartney, and then all the hip hop artists. I'm like, I do like them, but I don't really want to hear them unplugged. So like, no, the most I want to see from them is like uh, one of their performances on the Chappelle Show. <laughs> sure, you know? there you go. Um, so well, welcome to the show. We are done. We have we have crossed the final threshold, as uh, the fan, as the opera ghost would say. Um, we are done with the Doors, dudes. And uh, we're moving on. We're finally, our longest segment of the podcast has finished. Uh, and so we're moving on now into the, the we're moving deeper into the 1970s. The, what would you call it? Um, An era I like the to wheat, call the unknowns. Not the chaff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're moving from the chaff to the wheat. Wait, which one's the good one? I'm always confused wheat. by that. Wheat is good. Chaff is bad. Hold on. But I eat whole chaff bread every day. Oh, fuck. I thought the Pete. chaff was the good part. I go out of my way to find the chaff bread at the store. Well, while the chaff bread is delicious, it's also more fattening yeah. from what I hear. Oh. And we're on that bean diet, baby. Bread makes so. you fat? I mean, we're supposed to eat 12 servings of it according to some sort of pyramid I learned about yeah. 10 All years right. ago. All right. Um, so we are moving into the chaff section of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, I apologize in advance for people who are listening to this with maybe a more surface level knowledge of the 27 club, you might get a little bit bored. However, if you've only seen a mural on yeah, yeah. Santa Monica. However, I will say everyone we're covering is like a legitimately, well, this episode may be not included. <laughs> everyone, everyone we're going to cover during this period is like fantastic. So like, listen, the music is good. It's worth talking about. Um, but we're not quite covering, you know, the, the heavy hitters here for a second. So, Stick around. I think it's going to be less episodes than we spent on the doors, just covering like these three artists. So yeah, it's going to be pretty much. It. But so welcome to the show. This week we are moving into um, 
Once again, a member of a band, not a solo artist. We're talking about Ron, quote unquote, Pigpen McKernan uh, of the Grateful oh. Dead. And why do they call him Pigpen? Well, PJ, they call him Pigpen uh, Stinky because... Pussy? Yeah. He once, oh my gosh, so funny. They were all at a whorehouse, right? <laughs> Great start to any story. The whole band was there, all of those all of those dead boys. And they were all sitting around having sexual relations with, with women. Um, As they do. Or men, unclear. Could be whatever. Um, no. Yeah, who knows? Who, you know what, PJ? It was the 70s. People were wild. Back who knows? And why does it matter? <laughs> exactly. They were having sexual relations with other human beings, let's hope. And uh, Pigpen, uh, it was so funny. He cracked the whole band up. He ran out from the room where he was where he was making love to somebody, and he said, Woohoo, that stinks like a pig pan. And then ran out into the street and ducked his, dunked his head in a barrel uh, yeah. into the rain barrel outside on the boardwalk and then shook it all about. A stranger passed him. He bumped into him too hard, and he said, Hold on there, partner. I'm going to meet me at dawn for a, a 10 paces duel in the middle of the street. Uh, mm-hmm. And then. Which I imagine is the hate Asbury, Asbury district of San Francisco. Right. And then, yeah, yeah. And then he died the next day from a gunshot wound. So, Damn. Yeah. He, got his, he, he got his nickname the day before he died and it's, it's stuck, man. That oh. mortality, you know, if you die, if you die young, you're famous forever. And it, his, his nickname made him famous forever. R.I.P. Pigpen. Rest in pig pen. <laughs> R.I.P.P. So yeah, we're talking pig pen. But before we get to pig pen, uh, we have very important news to discuss. Uh, and apologies, we did not get to it on the last episode. However, we didn't want to, and we had Jake on. So as our uh, regular listeners know, there's there's always something more important to talk about when Jake is on the show because we have so much to talk about. Um, so we much. could not waste his time with a uh, diversionary Menial conversation such like as this. News. So, know. yeah, exactly. So we have a piece of listener mail. All right. All right. So we have an email uh, once again. Uh, I think we've had a, a couple emails from uh, Austin on the show recently. We've been having, you know, a little bit of a back and forth with this listener. And I will say, if you email us, a, which, by a, the way, yeah. oh, say that again. I said, yeah, bit of a bit of a back and forth. That's right. If you email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com, uh, we will email you back. It might not be immediate. It, in fact, might be several months later, as I believe happened with Austin. Um, yeah, it happens sometimes, man. And that's yeah, not our yeah. fault. It's No, it's not. Sometimes fault. I get locked out, and I have to go find the episode where PJ didn't beep out the password that I say on the show, so then I can log back in and reply to people. So, um, But Austin, we teased it on a previous episode, uh, and we finally have the long-awaited answer. Austin made the audacious and some would say irrational claim that at least half of the light album by the Beach Boys is a good album. <laughs> and Which I, I believe just... that was one of the few handful of Beach Boys albums we both gave a one out of ten to. So yeah. we were intrigued, to say the least. Because I don't remember there being a single good song on the album. Say I, I will say 
Same, PJ. I was looking through the track listing and I was like, I don't know, fucking shortening bread? <laughs> Who gives yeah. a shit? Oh, you know what? Shortening bread is the okayest one. So Austin got back to us with our question. Is it just a random half? Do you like one side more and one side is bad? What is the deal here? Yeah. So Austin says, in my opinion, I think that side one is very enjoyable. With tracks like Angel Come Home. Now, PJ, I hope you're pulling this up so we can revisit this album a little bit. Oh, I will. Angel Come Home, Lady Linda, and Love Surrounds Me. Anytime I put the album on, I can sing along with side one, but once you flip it over and get hit with the 11-minute remix of Here Comes the Night, that's the main problem with the album. You have to sit through 10 minutes of the same noises. Now, in the style of your podcast where you change albums to your liking, oh, this is great. This is See, this is the kind of listener email we want. We want yeah. you to get really into the nitty-gritty. Very clearly with, a yeah. listener. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in the style of your podcast where you change albums to your liking, I would have included the single mix, which is only three minutes long, of Here Comes the Night. Interesting. I like that idea. And add the unreleased song California Feelin', and then the album goes from a five or a six to Austin, which is already insanely high. Too high. To an eight. <laughs> So no, I mean, no, look, I have defended some, some bad Beach Boys albums, their eighties comeback. I legitimately love like maybe four songs on it, which seems like a lot for how too bad many. of an album that is, but too many boy. All right. I'm interested. Let's hear, let's hear these songs. Angel come home. Lady Linda love surrounds me. Let's, Here's... let's get a little listen in and see if we can update our rating for the light album. And what was this, 1976, I want to say? This is um, Angel Come Home. I will also... Well, it's a Dennis Denny. Wilson, yeah. Which is a, a mark in its favor, to be fair. I move from chair to chair I've never noticed how much Dennis Wilson sounds like a drunk Carl Wilson. Sitting <laughs> Or as some might say, a normal Brian Wilson. <laughs> I forgot how much I like Dennis Wilson's voice in the 70s. I'm going to say no on that one. I was going to say, I actually kind of like this song. Like, in the context of the album, maybe I liked it less since I thought the whole thing was really bad, but... No, this is bad. Look, I don't like the production at all. I, it's really bad. But if this was played with, like, less synths and the production was less... It sounds 80s to me, even though this is a 70s album, but, like, it sounds very slick. You know, the production? If it was recorded, yeah. like, much more raw, like the early 70s stuff, I think I could like this song. And maybe we said that, but the production, you cannot look past. The production's pretty bad. But I do think this is a, okay. a good song. All right. Sure. I, I get it, Austin. No. Oh, my God. I remember this no. one. <laughs> no. This one's I'm a, sorry, Austin. A Jardine. This is, this is so bad. Because you can't kept trying remix to get those classical a classical ones. song and, yeah. and hope for it to be good in any context. And he, he did that on MIA, too, I think. That's oh, what man. stuck out in my mind. I, I'm pretty sure. Or he tried it somewhere else. Wait, did we say that on that MIU is really an, an MIA album missing an action? That's kind of funny. No. Immediately not not a fan. 
It sounds like the the opening of a TV show. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, Austin. A show called Lady Linda. Yeah, where... I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, this is a show. Okay, so it's starring Jane C. Riley. Yeah. <laughs> Jane C. Riley. She's an old widow who lives at home all by herself, Lady Linda, in an old mansion. Uh, and then the kids come by and visit, and she's kooky, but she's fun, and she teaches them good life lessons, even though she lets them eat ice cream for breakfast or something. And she tells them a really great story about the Harper Valley PTA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Every every episode has a Harper yeah. Valley PTA. <laughs> There's a song break in it. All right, love surrounds me. Let's give this a try. All right, you got me on Angel Come Home, Austin. I'll, I'll give you that. But that might have been the one you liked before. It's possible. Let me look at my notes for that show. Another Denny. Boy, this is quiet, but... It's got to be Denny. Let me look it up. It sounds like Denny. Those backup singers are not trying. Yeah. I mean... Alright, what other songs did he name drop? Alright, uh, let's see. So, I mean, I agree that the Here Comes the Night, the shorter version would probably be better, but I don't know, part of me, even though the long version's not great, I like the audacity of it, but California Feelin' is the song, the unreleased song that he would add to the track listing. If, he could remake it. Ugh. I couldn't even take a short version of this song. California what? Uh, feeling. I was walking down the beach. Okay, LA I did give a 3 out of 10 to, and you gave a 2 out of 10. Probably because I like the song Short and Red. Oh, yeah. Light album. We'll listen to this. No, it's nothing special. We don't have to listen to Light album was 79, by the way, so some 80s production is, is right, actually. Yeah. I don't hate this. And I mean, I'm sure it would make the album better because the album's so bad, but... This would... I don't think I'd bump it up a point for this. All right, let's listen to the best song on the album. I think I also might have liked the song Going South. Yeah. But... This was their first album made for CBS. I forgot about this. The CBS contract required Brian to write and sing on at least 75% of the songs on every album. Yeah, he co-wrote two and sang on zero (laughs) for Light Album. So... 
Oh boy, the Beach Boys. Really the depths of their career at this point. Alright. Well, Austin, we appreciate you writing in. I will give you that Angel Come Home is good, but I... I'm I, look. I I respect your opinion, but I cannot get to a, even a five, much less an eight, even with California feeling on there. So, but we appreciate you writing in. Please write us yeah. in about your thoughts on the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, any member of the Twenty Seven Club, or just any music thoughts you have at yeah. beachboysboys at gmail dot com, and we'll read your email on air and discuss it. So. Yeah, I've never, you know, the the saying "different strokes for different folks" has never been more in my mind than right now. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a listener. All right. So moving on, uh, we have one uh, other segment here before we get to the life and times of Pigpen McKernan. Uh, a little section, a little segment we like to call Roadhouse Brews. You know, it's been a Oh, wait, let's see if this is the right key. That's very close. Yeah, I'm like the best harmonica player of all time. Uh, so Roadhouse, uh, listening to some Roadhouse blues while we're drinking our Roadhouse brews. PJ, what is your Roadhouse brew of choice this week? Well, Pete, I don't know if I've talked about this beer on record uh, <laughs> yet. Okay. Um, but I am drinking the Hazy IPA. We have, because oh, okay. you said the Hazy IPA. I was assuming IPA. you were going to say Coors Banquet. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we've ever mentioned this name before, but, yeah, but it's God, you know what? I don't think I have talked about that on this podcast yet. I believe I talked about it on a podcast I was a guest of. Whoa! But is um, hold on? The... Do we have to have plugs on this show now? Oh no, I'm not going to say the name of that. Oh show. okay, thank God. Name. I'm like I've never guessed it on a show, so I don't even. Okay. Uh, we have never done plugs on this show either. No, I think maybe once we let Paul tell about his podcast, but yeah, you know. That was a podcast I was on. I so think I tried to give that, Thomas the opportunity, and then he didn't want his professional name associated with this show in, in any way. So That sounds right. <laughs> that sounds right. Um, but I'm drinking the Hazy IPA from Fantastic. Ska Brewing in Durango, Colorado. Love it. It's, um, Is that where the Dodge get, Durango's made? Yeah, actually, yeah. And the Chevy Colorado's. So oh, cool. So it's kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had to give it, um, you know, kind of a review, I'd say it's sure. blurred, vague, fuzzy, warning, succulent, recycle, dilemma, swim, nebulous, recycle. That's nice. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am drinking a Head Out American Style Hefeweizen Ale uh, oh. from the brewery Pelican Brewing interesting yeah yeah they um i would read the little thing that they wrote about this beer except it is like four paragraphs long on the back of the can they use this tall boy to great effect by writing so much about the beer on the back it is a wild amount of description is it religious like like that meyer soap stuff or whatever it is not quite dr bronner's like yeah yeah it's it's close to that honestly 
but then below that they have what you want which just like tells you about the flavor of the beer but it's like four paragraphs about what inspired a fucking half so cool you, guys. you know on this one um i knew it was a beer i wanted because it said hazy ipa really big on it and i said hmm, i'll sure. probably like that yeah probably. Um, but that's nice uh, can you, by chance, buy that at your uh, favorite local establishment, which is in Portland, Oregon, and it's called uh, Prost? Right. Find Peter there any weeknight, probably. Any any weeknight, come ask for me. They they'll know me there. They'll hold your you know they'll hold your note at the bar, and I'll get it the next time I'm in. Yeah. He, um, he has a he's in the mug club or whatever they have there. Right. Right. I have a PO box there where they put people come and drop off notes for me, and then they put it inside a big stein, and then I collect them when I'm there next. And sort through them like a, um, you know, like a feedback kind of bin that you put yeah. your put your little slip of paper into. Uh, no, you P- couldn't, PJ, because that beer or that bar only serves European-made beers, and this is uh, explicitly and implicitly an American-style uh, Hefeweizen ale made in America. Uh, so I just heard the word Hefeweizen, and I assume it is one of your fancy German beers. Right? You no, know, P- it's you know, it's it's not, unfortunately. Yeah. Nobody does it better than the Germans. <laughs> Uh, and we'll have that on a t-shirt that you can buy at uh, teespring.com. That's the 27 Club. Yeah. Look, man, we've covered a lot of people. I think this, uh, a lot of people's uh, European heritage on this show. <laughs> and we're going to again on this episode. So I'm not. Might uh, as well. I don't know. It's, it's important to know what country you're from as a white person, you know. Very important. Um, that's why 23andMe was a really good investment in about 2018. Right. Um, I made hundreds of dollars off of that investment. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For um, sure. You know, we've come a long way, Pete, in that you used to not like to say your last name on the podcast, and now I uh, talk about a bar you hang out at locally all the time. Look, I somehow that bothers me less still than people knowing my last name. So I would much rather... <laughs> Look, okay, the idea that anyone listens to this show, first of all, is wild to me. L- laughable. Like, yeah. truly insane. Like, not because... We don't try, not because I don't even think it's a decent show. It's just craziness, the idea that we just like put it out there and really we do zero promotion. We don't have ads. We don't do anything and we still get listeners and people are still like interested in this show. So that's wild to me. Number one, it's also wild to me that there are people who speak. Look, I think there's a reason we're like a number four comedy podcast in a lot of non-native speak English speaking countries because... I think it's probably we're it's not that great of a show basically is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and so then like so that anyone would even listen and be a fan like in America. So the idea that I would ever even meet someone in real life who actually knows. So I guess I'm just saying I'm open to putting it out there that if anyone <laughs> somehow it would be so fucking insane to meet someone who knew what this show was. Who even knew what it was? That that alone is enough for me. They could hate it, but just yeah. to even know that I make this show would be crazy. However, yeah. if you're my uh, past or future bosses, uh, ig- ignore this conversation. Yeah, that'd be great for me too. Um, you know, all of my bosses have been 60 plus, so they don't know how podcasts work. They've definitely heard Serial. Uh, Ironically, but... they would love this show except for the 40 minutes up top. Yeah. <laughs> Just like your dad. Basically my dad, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. The, if we just tell them to skip to the track by track, like to the album, uh, you know, uh, history and the and the track by track, they would love it. 
you know, the only person, the only fan who whose age I'm aware of, because everybody just emails us, right? Sure. Is this one girl who, oh, probably early 2021, mm-hmm. followed me on Instagram. And, Hold on, does Melanie know about this? Oh, well, hey, according to, or I mean, as far as everybody knows out there, I'm single, and whenever I talk about Melanie, that's my brother. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, don't fucking out Sorry, me bro. like that, man. Um, but early 2021, she, uh, messaged me and she said she was listening to the Beach Boys boys. Um, and she asked if you had an Instagram and this oh, was yeah, before we started the this. stone studs. Yeah. Um, but this she is was probably like, our high watermark in terms of fan engagement was it, a woman from Brooklyn or something, right? Like messaging you on Instagram to try and. I don't remember where she was from. I couldn't I tell you her, her name. She was. Even. She lived in somewhere kind of hip. Yeah, maybe it was, but but like a younger woman listening, where I was like, right. insane that younger people listen. Insane right. that a woman is listening to the show. Sure. Um, just because you know, I feel like we cater primarily to forty plus dudes. You know. With that's a our, with a that's with a fifteen year old sense of humor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, all men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's super niche. It's only for every man. Yeah, into classic much. rock. <laughs> Older has an immature sense of humor. Love it. Great. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. if you're out there, um, let's see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, I wonder how quickly she dropped off. Uh, McKenna, sure. Thank you for listening, and we're yeah, talking sure. about you on the cast. Email us and let us know if you're still listening. <laughs> Email us. You could. I mean, you found my Instagram somehow, so even right, even that would work. So yeah, PJ, why don't you go ahead and message her back right now? Uh, <laughs> I think I did. I messaged her back at the time. It looks like because you just and, said uh, no, he doesn't have an Instagram. I did say he doesn't, and then I said we're about to start another show. Oh yeah, you should listen. And she said, I'm good. Yeah, it's like I actually. Stones, oh, I actually have a lot of podcasts on my plate yeah. right now. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's been Roadhouse Bruce. All right. So PJ, we are talking about uh, our second and I think final single episode artist. Yeah. Um, which is to say, it's an it's a person who is a member of the Twenty Seven Club, was a. Arguably, oh no, this is our third single episode because we did Brian Jones. Um, Although if we hadn't done the Rolling Stone studs, we would have done several Brian Jones episodes for sure. That's true. We did Robert Johnson too, though, and he was a single episode. Okay, we've done a lot. Fine. God damn it. This is our fourth and final, though. It is our final for sure. Yeah. Um, It's an artist who is a significant and somewhat famous member of a band, but did not live for the band's whole run. And for almost all of these people, the band was as famous or more famous after they died, I feel like. So that's yeah. kind of why we just do a single episode on them to give you an idea of what their time in the band was like, give you some of their life history. Um, last time we did this, it was Alan Wilson. We were both very surprised and impressed with how much we enjoyed his music. Uh, that will not be the case here. <laughs> So it will not be strap in, uh, I guess, fair warning up top ahead of the music talk. Any Grateful Dead fan is going to be fucking irate at us. So just get ready. Or, I mean, I don't know the general thoughts on Pigpen. I just truly don't. Uh, True. I'm a, I'm a kind of like, you know, 
on the outskirts of being a dead fan. Sure. I like some of their stuff. You say you're a fan. Talking. You wouldn't actually go to a show, though, probably. Well, now they have John Mayer, so absolutely not. Um, but, you know, like, I really like a lot of their studio albums. Sure. I can't say that I've listened to any of their live stuff, really, uh, or any of their, like, bootleg live stuff that people get into. Right. But we are not fans of Pigpen McKernan. Um, so if, if, if you don't, if you don't want to hear us bash him, maybe stop listening yeah. now. We already got the listen. What are we like 80 minutes in or something? Well, yeah, right. Well, and even, I mean, even if you don't love Pigpen, I guess just, if you're a Grateful Dead fan, I think you're going to be really, look, we're already pretty upfront about how kind of surface level we can be on a lot of our research. Uh, I think half, I think half of the doors dudes was us <laughs> correcting, um, previous you know like things we said wrong or doing real-time research on the show (laughs) discovering like oh we didn't know this obvious fact about the doors so you know we're not we're not going to get in deep to the grateful dead we're probably going to get some stuff wrong uh and we also did not listen to very much grateful dead uh and really had no interest in listening to very much grateful dead so and also if if you're you're here for the dead talk it's going to be pretty thin you know, honestly, if you are a fan of the Grateful Dead, probably shut it off now. If you're not, also probably shut it off now. Why not? Yeah. Not that I want to like encourage people not to listen, but this one just uh, might be a stinker, folks. Let's just be honest. Might be a real pig pen of an episode. <laughs> so, Ron McKernan uh, was born in 1945 of, let's say it together, thanks Wikipedia, Irish heritage. Irish heritage. Yay. Woo, yeah. we know his heritage. That's they so love heritage on Wikipedia. I know. Um, in San Bruno, uh, which is, uh, one of the many smaller kind of towns in the Bay area, his dad was a DJ at an R and B station while he grew up. And so he grew up loving R and B and old blues, uh, music. Mm-hmm. And he, when he was young, he learned piano, harmonica, and guitar all kind of in the blues style. Um, and when he was 14, they moved to Palo Alto, another Bay area town, uh, oh, his he... dad must have worked for Apple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was one of the original Apple guys. Uh, Apple Scruffs, I think they called him. Um, and he met and befriended a little fella named Jerry Garcia, who also had Ooh. a beard at 14, I think. He had the beard and glasses already, so. Um, um, yes. um, does that have any relation to the delightful Ben and Jerry's flavor? Yes. Or is that just a coincidence? Yeah, it was originally called Pen and Jerry's. Um, cause it was like the two guys, you know, and love from the Grateful Dead, Pigpen and right. Jerry Garcia. And then they thought, you know what? Naming an episode after a guy who famously smelled bad yeah. or naming it. Did I say episode? <laughs> naming said episode. a food, an item, a yeah. piece of food after a guy who famously smelled ba- so bad. He got a nickname about it. We should probably change that. In, so they changed in, it to Ben. Not only did he get a nickname about it. He got a nickname about it in a band of hippies. Right. Yes. In the 60s. Who ostensibly ne- none of them ever showered or anything. No. So, yeah. All right. So so his friend, he befriended this uh, fellow named Jerry Garcia. Uh, Cherry Garcia. Eventually, Ron was invited by Cherry to play on stage, uh, and he kind of got started playing around in the local circuit of blues bands. So his first blues nickname, because of course every white boy had to have a blues nickname in the mid '60s. We know this. If you from don't the know about episode. that, go back to Alan Wilson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, his first nickname was Blues Ron. 
Or wait, is it blues or blue? I forget now. Let me look it up real quick. Either way, the fact that it's just blues and then his his uh, Christian name is very funny. Right? Yeah, Blue Ron. Blue Ron. Uh, because he was always so cold, his fingertips were blue. Uh, and then uh, it became Pigpen because he was usually unkempt and dirty, just like the Peanuts character, Pigpen. Ah, uh-huh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think the term Pigpen came before or after Charles Schultz? Much like the term different strokes for different folks came from mm. Sly and the Family Stone. Do you think it's just become a term because of that? Interesting interesting thought. I think 100% people called it a pig pen before the character pig pen existed. And that the character pig pen was only called that because there was already a smelly, stinky, dirty place called a pig pen. But I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to have to disagree. Okay, all right. That's fair. That's totally fair. What did they used to call it? They would just call it a pig sty, and then he was like, it'd be more fun to be alliter- alliterative, exactly. and then people took it on. Yes. I mean, look, it's a possibility. We're not going to look it up. We're no. Gonna... no, of course not. No. But so uh, Pigpen, along with Cherry Garcia and Bob Weir, started playing more around the Bay Area, uh, eventually added more members, and started the Warlocks, which, as many classic rock fans know, was the original name for the Grateful Dead. Uh, so Pigpen in this lineup was the keyboard player, by the way. Cherry and Bob played guitars. They had a guy named Bill Kreutzmann uh, on drums mm-hmm. and Phil Lesh on bass. Yeah, those so, are the members yeah. of... They all, yeah, the original uh, members of the Grateful Dead. They all sang, or Bob, Cherry, and Ron were all all shared lead singing duties depending on the song um and ron uh i mean pigpen excuse me uh was actually a like very important leader of their early sound which was mostly again say it with me white band in the 60s blues and r&b covers okay great just like everyone else i think a thing i'm remembering as a surface level dead fan was they also did bluegrass before um, and i believe pigpen was a part of it because they had a band called mother mccree's uptown jug champions sure and his name is in fact on the cover um it says jerry garcia bob weir pigpen um it was recorded in july of 1964 yes well i can see here on the wikipedia along with cherry garcia and bob weir mckernan was in the predecessor groups leading to the Grateful Dead, which started with the Zodiacs, and then was Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Champions, and then became the Warlocks, and then became the Grateful Deads. Gotcha. Okay. But the Grateful Dead. Around so they evolved into the Warlocks from the Uptown Jug Champions, and in the middle of that, McKernan got them to switch to electric instruments, it says. So I think you might be ah. right that they were, yeah. Maybe they played acoustic blues and other acoustic bluegrass and all that, and then switched to electric instruments. Yeah, I can figure out what songs uh, he sang on for this album and play a few of those a little bit Absolutely. Um, So he was kind of their early leader. So he led uh, their early sound of a lot of blues and R&B covers. He was kind of their main lead singer in the early days. Interesting. um, And was like the lead draw or the main draw, I should say, as their lead singer uh, and, like, a really good harmonica player, you know, in the area. So he was, like, the reason people came to see the dead in the early days or their other, you know, the other names of their bands. That's really, Um, really interesting. Yeah. But 
They slowly kind of eroded away as Cherry Garcia developed his sound and they added another keyboard player. Um, so they evolved and he was kind of relegated to playing less and less as the group became more of what we know the Grateful Dead as today as a more jammy, more, uh, you know, they still had some country influences and some blues influences, obviously, but kind of this more like Americana jammy. Yeah. Uh, psychedelic sound he was less into that and so he got a little bit left behind for a while there so are you looking up some mother mccree stuff yeah do you want me to this is the one that pigpen sang on sure it's a lightning hopkins tune um, the only reason I know about this album is because I think I watched a Dead documentary at some point, and they were talking about it, and oh, I was nice. like, that sounds cool. Yeah. And then I, I've had it on my iTunes forever, and it is honestly a pretty good album. I mean, just like the Beatles started with Skiffle, the Greds started with some, some bluegrass country, man. Yeah. Well, uh... Pete just got up and left the room. Uh, no explanation, it seems. So, I don't know. I don't know if this show is still going to go on or if we're okay. Um, he seemed kind of mad. I bet he just comes back and pretends like nothing even happened. It really breaks my heart when he does this. It's at least two, three times an episode where he just gets up and leaves and he never tells me where he's going. And I get really emotional. Because it's like, we're in this podcast. It's a partnership. And I just feel like it. It should be like this. It should be. There should be more communication. Anyway. Ain't it crazy? So that's a, yeah, that's a pretty cool one. I don't know. Whatever. I don't. Let's not do that. Okay. Um, I mean, I I always like old Americana stuff like that, and I think that's yeah. why I like that album. Yeah. Uh, may maybe my favorite thing we're gonna listen to today. I think it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, so at one point in the like mid '60s, uh, Cherry Garcia and Phil Lesh wanted Pigpen and Bob Weir. Uh, of all people, uh, who I think of as a definitely main member of the Grateful Dead. Maybe just because he's the last one alive. But um, Well, no, Phil Lesh is still alive. I, yeah, it was kind of just, yeah. Oh, but look, okay, I get it. Uh, but he's like the only front man of the group, I guess, still alive. Right? I don't know. No, Phil Lesh has a band that he tours with, and he's okay. the lead guy. Um... Wanted Pigpen and Bob Weir fired from the band because they were holding them back from their new groovy, uh, you know, psychedelic sound. Wait, who uh, wanted them fired? Ch- Cherry? Cherry Garcia and Phil Lesh. Wow. Wanted those guys out of the band. So they got their manager to fire them. When the manager told them they were going to get fired, Bob Weir said, please, please, no, take me back. I'll do better. Uh, and he said, okay, fine. Um, Bob Weir was also like 15 at the time, by the way. Yeah. Uh, And Pigpen reacted by skipping the next few shows uh, out of anger. 
Um, but then he did come back. He promised to, quote, not be lazy <laughs> um, and started taking lessons uh, to learn the Hammond organ as part of his, like, I don't know, trying cool. to figure out how to be a part of the band. If you can already play the piano, can't you already kind of play the Hammond organ? I mean, yes, but there's also a lot of, like, more technical stuff with all the switches and settings and You just fuck around and, so you find it out, I think. Well, but. he fucked around by paying someone to teach him, I guess. Uh, in the meantime, though, poor Pigpen was re- relegated to playing the congas in the band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which, the saddest it's such, it's such a funny idea, band. yeah, having a large enough band where you can just be like, like you can have enough extra guys where you're like, we wanted to fire him, but for now we're just yeah. going to stick him on the congas. <laughs> well, and when they're doing the breakdown where they're like, Phil Lesh on the bass, everybody, Bob Weir up front on the guitar, and Pigpen McKernan on those congas. Hell yeah. And then he gets a little conga solo that's like, yeah. <laughs> um, he's just doing Joe Bongo. Um, <laughs> so by 1970, the other keyboard player left, uh, left the group, and Pigpen nominally became the main keyboard player again. But he wasn't really allowed to play during recording sessions. Other members of the band would play. And when they released a live album in this in 1970, he was over all his parts were overdubbed by someone else oh, in the studio. Rough. So he was not in a good place at this. Basically, point in not band. in the band. Yeah, like so. Apparently, Cherry Garcia continued to be really frustrated by him, um, but the rest of the band kind of was fine. They just kind of shrugged at him because. Like, they could cover up his mistakes, you know, and he was yeah. one of the guys, so, like, they didn't mind having him around. Um, can I tell an anecdote real quick? Of course. Um, we, we talked about this uh, before we started recording. Um, we don't care about Pigbed McKernan enough to the extent that we both thought he was the drummer. I'm pretty sure One I said of the before on this show that he was the drummer of the group. I think we Dead, so. both referenced it. And yeah. so when, as you'll find out later, Pete made a playlist. <laughs> and I was like, wow, the drumming on this isn't very good. What's going on? And then I was so confused because yeah. I was like, wow, Pete must also really not like Jerry Garcia's voice because he's not singing on any of these. And I was yeah. just confused as to why he only picked songs Jerry wasn't singing on. I, I truly don't know where I picked up the idea that he was the drummer. I don't know, like, because I obviously would have never read it anywhere because he's not the drummer. And so it's yeah. like, I don't know where I picked that up, how it lasted for so long. But it was just like, a, yeah, he's the drummer, right? Yeah, it's Pigpen, the drummer. I have no idea th- where that came from. Yeah. Truly Do you think wild. they tried to kick him out of the band because he was so stinky? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That might have been it. Well, and actually, to be fair, I just realized I am kind of right. I must have known that he played the congas for a while and was like, yeah, oh, yeah. So he's, wrong. Yeah. So it's Pigpen on percussion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that's right. The triple P, Pigpen percussion. <laughs> uh, so uh, he has been compared by other music critics, uh, which not to, you know, give ourselves too much credit, but I'm pretty sure we would have figured this out by ourselves on the show, too. But oh, yeah. uh, kind of a Brian Jones type where he was like a seriously... Uh, important part of the band's yeah. early success and sound and was like the most famous member of the group at an early point uh and even played the same instrument and was in like blues and harmonica you know like had the same thing going on uh but eventually would leave the group and die at 27 years old so wow look at that yeah uh so in 19 19- <laughs> 
<coughs> Excuse me. So in 1971, Pigpen did uh, leave the group for a few months. He was diag- He went to the hospital. He was diagnosed with primor- uh, excuse me, primary biliary cholangitis. Oh, uh, he swallowed too many billiard balls. Right, yes, an autoimmune disease where you swallow too many billiard balls. Um, so uh, primary biliary cholangitis, obviously known as, as PBC, uh, yeah. you know, and for us in the, in the, in the, in the doctor biz, um, <laughs> is a slow and progressive destruction of the bile ducts of the liver, causing bile to build up in the liver. Further That's damage what... to the liver tissue leads to scarring, fibrosis, and eventually cirrhosis. Symptoms are tiredness, itching, and in more advanced cases, jaundice. Wow. So they could smell the bile. That's why you got his nickname. Yeah. It's uh, it's much more common in women, at least nine to one, female to male. So poor pig pen wow. is that one in nine. Yeah. Huh. Um. Oh, when he was alive, though, it would have been called primary biliary cirrhosis, of course, because that was the yeah. Yeah, the old name for it. So, um, so he was away from the band for a few months. He did come back to the band at the end of '71. He played on their 1972 European tour, which I'm led to believe is a famous Grateful Dead tour. It, and it apparently is, yeah. is credited as being like really good on that tour, or at least in certain stops. Uh, it's at the one... only live stuff of the dead that's listenable in my opinion. Okay, nice. Um, he did continue to struggle with his health issues, though, on that tour. at one uh, During one show, he passed out like in the middle of the show. So wasn't doing great. Uh, and his last live appearance, uh, so that was in the first half of 72, his last live appearance with the band was in June 1972 back in L.A. Um, before he left the band, because he was just getting more and more sick, uh, yeah. and he cut off contact with them at the time, apparently, and didn't talk to them again, saying, quote, I don't want them around when I die. So it was wow. apparently pretty serious. I'm like, how many people die from this? I guess, let's see. I mean, in the six or in the seventies, probably a lot of people. Yeah, right. So he left the band uh, in June 1972 and uh, went went off to be a hermit, I guess. Um, in March of 1973, he was found dead uh, in his home in California after he had a gastrointestinal hemorrhage. So yikes! Died. That sounds um, bad. A little bit longer than Brian Jones after leaving the band. He waited you know, 10 months or whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And they didn't absolutely fucking hate his guts. Right. They didn't hate his guts and they apparently, um, like they brought back a lot of the songs that he would sing. Bob Weir, I guess, uh, like yeah. brought back a lot of his songs on con in, in concert, excuse me, in years after that. And so like, yeah, I don't know. He is one of those, uh, members that was remembered a little more fondly after his death. Um, it seems like, at least by the band, because as we know, they weren't huge fans of him. Right. But, yeah. Huh, that's very interesting. So that's the life and times of Pigpen McKernan. A, a, a couple things we have talked about. So we've touched previously on the show. This is, I think, when we've talked about him, that he did have uh, somewhat of a relationship with Janis Joplin. Uh, they hung out a good amount and were very close and um yeah had a uh i believe like romantic relationship um so and apparently janice actually came on dead with the or came on stage with the dead a couple of times to sing uh 
Pigpen's one of his like most famous songs, "Turn On Your Love Light," uh, which would be interesting to find if we could. Sounds like they did it a couple times. So weirdly, so the guy, the keyboard player who joined and kind of replaced him and relegated him to the side, Tom Constantine, um, apparently they actually became pretty good friends while in the band because they were really the only two who didn't do psychedelic drugs. And he was actually, he was apparently the guy's best man at his wedding. Um, So yeah, he, Pigpen just drank heavily. He liked Thunderbird and just like Janis Joplin, Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort. Yeah. Yeah. So, which was apparently a big, yeah, big thing back then. I had no idea. Apparently Thunderbird was a flavored fortified wine of some kind. So they just drank shit alcohol back then. Like, come on guys. Very famous, like 60s, 70s, like. Okay cheapest shit you just smuggle into a concert to get as drunk as you can as quick as you can i mean i get that if you're like a 16 year old you know drinking but it's like once you're a famous musician and you're like 26 years old like why are you not getting you know even nominally nicer stuff like just some jack daniels or something like yeah so now they want southern comfort would you like to hear this song with janice joplin i I would i really would yeah all right it's 19 minutes so okay well i assume she's only gonna be singing for the first few so woo yeah Janice! Yeah! We love you, Janice! Sing it, pig! The real question is, how long do they jam before anybody starts singing? I mean, I feel like usually it's gonna be... gonna be pretty quick, but we'll see. Like, actually, is this the version that's on? There she is. What song? You know, fun fact, did you know that going up on a woman is actually just kissing them on the lips? That's what it is. Maybe one of the, not the worst she's ever sounded, but she doesn't sound great. Close to it, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Janice. Um, <laughs> the other, another kind of interesting thing to note, I guess, about Pigpen. Well, so he just he drank. He didn't do psychedelic drugs. He apparently really didn't do any drugs. Um, and was one time arrested for a fam- apparently a famous cannabis bust on the dead, which was oh. ironic. Uh, but then on another famous um, like police raid, he wasn't arrested. So I don't know, confusing, whatever. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's Pigpen. I think let's do. Let's do a little bit of listening to some of Pigpen's <laughs> greatest hits. Pigpen's greatest hits. Yeah. Um, so let's see. We have just a smattering here. It's like I said before, if you're a Grateful Dead fan or a Pigpen fan and you're really mad listening to this, just know, first of all, we're not going back to listen to more Pigpen. So do not. You can email us, but don't expect us to listen to it. No, we're not. And back. secondly, like I, I, we both of us know and recognize this is not a complete, you know, look at Pigpen's artistry, but we're just getting an idea uh, for the guy. So uh, let's start with "It Hurts Me Too" from 
uh, Live a concert at, at the East. Fillmore East, yeah, in April 71. The same year that um, Almond Brothers came out with Live at Fillmore East. Nice. Yeah, a lot of people are playing this Fillmore East place. I don't... Have you ever heard Sounds of this place dumb. before? Yeah. I don't care for it. I mean, to be, like, fair, I was dumb enough for a while that I never connected that Fillmore East was connected to the Fillmore in San Francisco, like, to the Fillmore yeah. Auditorium. It took me years of being a classic rock fan to be like, oh, oh, it's literally the Fillmore Auditorium East Co- oh. E East of here, though. I yeah. get it. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked they didn't play the normal Fillmore. They're California guys. I mean, I'm sure they did. Like, that's where that song was, that last recording was, I assume, right? From SF? Maybe not. Yeah, I'm just surprised that their live album, I guess, wasn't. Gotcha. Live at the Fillmore. I mean, this is good. Like, yeah. I don't, I'll, I'll say it every episode if I have to. I don't love blues. But I like his yeah. voice. Like, he's doing a good job singing. I don't love this song that much, but... Um, this is an Elmore James tune, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's not bad yet. <laughs> like, you kind of... After the playlist is over that Peter made, um, you'll kind of um, know what he was into basically yeah but every song that he sings is like this it's um basically a blues standard and he's singing it like that's the whole thing <laughs> that's their thing baby yeah well that's his thing well let's get to <laughs> the next song <laughs> ain't it crazy parentheses the rub which this was fun the one we listened song. to off of um, Mother uh, Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Nice. Band. Okay. So, yeah, this song is about whacking it, and it's really fun that it's about whacking it. Except they've electrified it here. That's right. Mama got the rub boat, sister got the tub. They're going around doing the rub, the rub. Ain't it crazy? Ain't it crazy? This is a blues cover too, right? Yeah, it's it's alright. It's Lightning it's Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's what it is. <laughs> I thought this was about a genie's lamp. Oh, honestly, DJ could be. See, but if. I don't know. I just feel like this sounds like the last one. Yes. Know? It's the blues. They all sound the same. Well, that's not. Oh, here's some of that but... famous harmonica playing. Oh, play that harp, pig pen. Blow it, pig. I mean, he's not a bad harmonica player. He's pretty good. No, he's good. He's no Alan Wilson. He's no Alan Wilson. He's That's no true. Brian Jones either. 
Maybe he's not even a Mick, you know? <laughs> oh, I think anyone's got to be better than Mick. Mick had some pretty good harmonica lines. I mean, okay. Whatever you, what, sure, why not? I will say the guitar playing in the Grateful Dead is always on point. True. Can I skip to the next song? PJ, I implore you to skip to the next song. We have Big Boss Man. Another blues cover. Yeah, I believe all three of these, by the way, are off that Fillmore East April 71 album. So. Yeah. Big Boss Man Can't you hear me when I call Big Boss Man Now, I'm most familiar with uh, the Elvis Presley and Charlie Rich version of this song, but... Of course. Um, and they are mm, a million times better than this version? This isn't really that great. It's, I, it's, I'm so glad you had something to say, because I can't really muster up anything to say about this, good or bad. It's just very... Eh. Uh, let's get to Mr. Charlie. <laughs> this is from the Europe 72 tour, so maybe this has got something good going on. Hey, there's a little bit of keyboard. A little What's bit of it? organ, sounds like. Sounds like a little bit of organ. Is this the first one that they've written? <laughs> what do you mean? The first song? Uh, the first song that they've written that we listen to Big Pen sing. Oh, got it. Like, not a cover? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no... PJ, I have absolutely no idea. Well, I don't know if they wrote... I know they yeah, didn't let me write look, any of let the me ones so far. I just don't know if they wrote this one. Good question. I'll look it up. Okay, so just so everyone knows, um, I searched on Wikipedia Mr. Charlie, and it asked, did I mean Mr. Charles, first of all? Uh-huh. The first thing is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The second thing is Mr. Charlie, and the first line is arrogant and perceived as acting white. So, ugh, boy, okay. Um, I I also looked it up to try to see if so I'm not he had okay it. with this. Mr. Anymore. Charlie is a pejorative expression formerly used with an yeah. African American community referred to an imp- imperious white man. Yeah, that's occasionally refers to a black man who is arrogant and perceived as acting white. Not great. No. Uh, and this was written by Pigpen. Yeah. Look at that. And then Hunter, Robert Hunter. Who's that? Oh, he was the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was the, he wrote a lot of the lyrics for the Grateful Dead, even though I don't think he was in the band. Wow. The Grateful Dead needed a lyricist? It Um, seems like their fans would just be so high they wouldn't notice. Oh, I was going to say opposite. Of course they needed a lyricist. They barely knew how to write a song much anyway. 
That's true. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to Good Morning. Let's move on to a less offensive song, Good Morning, Little Schoolgirl. <laughs> this is from the Grateful Dead's debut album. This song I had heard before. Yeah, this is... I mean, this is up there with Roller Skating Child, except at least Roller Skating Child, I think, was tongue-in-cheek. But in terms of a creeper, a song about a creeper, we're, we're in the Hall of Fame here. That's true. Now, Peter, um, this, I believe, Blue Standard, I don't know who wrote it, um, creepier or less creepy than, let's say, Roller Skating Child? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think, like like I said, like definitely more creepy just because with Roller Skating Child, I at least, there's at least a possibility that it's like tongue-in-cheek and self-aware. Yeah. And but so, when it's Good Morning Little Schoolgirl. Yeah. This is a blues standard, first recorded by Sonny Boy Williamson in 1937. Okay. This is this is purely just a song from a time where it was cool to be into a 14-year-old. So I think that's yeah. all you can take away from this song, unfortunately. Well, in Hollywood, that's still, uh, you know, uh, on trend. All right. Um, nothing to write home about. It's Harmonica's another blue standard by Pigpen. Like it, yeah. it, it's there. Okay. Let's get to Easy Wind off Working Man's Dead. I believe this is like the one song he did. This is the 1970 album where he was really in the doldrums. I think this is the one song he got on Working Man's Dead. Yeah. An album I've heard and I actually like quite a bit. Yeah, I think this is definitely the best song we've heard from him so far. I think so. In our incomplete, uh, you know, but comprehend, but absolutely comprehensive. Yeah. Uh, overview. But yeah, this is pretty good. Mostly just because it's bluesy, but it's not like actually just like twelve bar blues. It's not a you blues know? standard. So, yeah. Yeah. Because he does have a good voice. I, I do really like his voice, actually. Like, it's yeah, it's a good voice. It's just all the songs we've been hearing so far are uninspiring, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is basically the exact opposite of the fucking um, Alan Wilson episode in yeah, that. Really? We were like, man, they're kind of doing blue standards, but they're really good. And this is like, oh, they're doing blue standards, but... They're very boring. Yeah. And but, I'll say, Easy Win, yeah. good song. This is good shit. It's a good song. Yeah. yeah Working is... Man's Dead is a really good album, I think. Yeah. It might be something you'd be into, Pete. Look, if the I will say, if the Grateful Dead didn't have 
such a huge, you know, like live, because like you just, you can't do a band like that for a podcast like this, where it's like, and now we have to listen to like all these live albums and like, I don't know. If they yeah. didn't have that whole contingent, if they just had like two famous lives albums, I would absolutely do a Grateful Dead podcast with you, but I, I can't get into the muck and mire that is the Grateful Dead mm-hmm. live recording. Nor can I. Yeah. And I think we would need like an actual deadhead to. Right, exactly. If we had a friend, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But, All right. Yeah, this is good. Turn on your love light. Live oh, yeah. San Francisco. Which we heard a little bit of. Janice yeah, is singing. this the same version or is this a different? version live in SF. I'm going to say it's different. But, yeah, but this know. was one of Pigpen's like big songs live. And this was like an early blues standard that he introduced to the group that then turned into one of their famous yeah. jam songs. Um, yeah. So this is like, I think definitely like a, yeah. And his voice again is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one's a different version because right. um, Janice isn't singing. Yeah, and if Janice didn't sound like such shit on that last one. Like, I could see her being really good on this song, but... Yeah. And I think we absolutely don't need to listen to the whole jam here, by the way. No, I think you're right. Um, Alligator is the next Yeah, this song is off their second album, Anthem of the Sun, I believe. Yeah. Wait, is that right about working on Oh hell yeah! Did now he who's playing play the kazoo? kazoo? Did they have a dedicated kazoo guy? Oh, he's not singing here. No. It's Jerry. Yeah, I mean alligator, the Tegan and Sarah song. Fucking. Oh, maybe that is him. Maybe they're both singing. Alright, let's find the let's find the background here. So Alligator was written by Phil Lesh and Pigpen McKernan, and then lyrics by Robert Hunter again. But let's see if we get We do not get a credit on Oh, lead vocals on Alligator. Okay. Well, he sounds like Jerry here. Well, they might be double tracking, you know, or yeah. like singing together. Yeah. That's my guess. Ooh, we got a, you know what? I just realized I don't know what Pigpen McKernan looks like. I never looked up a picture and yeah, it makes sense that they called him Pigpen, man. Huh? Yeah. He was apparently, he was like, you know, as we know from many, many times talking on this show, he was, uh. The Grateful Dead were big, uh, or were famous for being pals with the Hells Angels, and uh, he was apparently like very into biker culture and all that. So he like he looks like a goddamn Hells Angel. Yeah, he wore a lot of like vests. I think he wore the like crappy cowboy hat, crushed up cowboy hat kind of look, like long beard, long hair, which is more hippie, you know. But yeah, definitely has that that kind of biker look for sure. Um, yeah, he has a pretty, well, Altamont, that was, what year was that? 69, right? 69, so he would have been there. He's in that, those clips a lot. Yeah. 
which you know i guess looking back now that's kind of crazy um well, let's move on the last song we're talking about is operator from their also 1970 album american beauty american also beauty. one of their most famous ones so yeah maybe their best one yeah this is kind of their like yeah considered to be their their best one right This one's just written by him. No lyrics written by anyone else or anything. Again, it's like, you know, blues, but not just straight up blues and it's much better for that like it's a pretty solid yeah. song and i that's uh, why i keep I saying it. We i like his more voice jammy songs like, from the dead you know no i just like you know it's more kind of southern rock where it's like bluesy but like a little more acoustic rock influence on there like country yeah. and rock influence on there see and that's why i really like i don't like the dead's live stuff really but i really like yeah. their studio albums because it's more honed in it's got an idea that's going Right. For not 26 minutes, right. and it's like he kind of almost know. sounds it, like he's trying to do a Johnny Cash song here, actually. Yeah, like a Charlie. Uh, yeah. Um. Charlie Rich song or so, you know yeah, something. Yeah, yeah it kind of sounds like that early country style where it is just like blues but redneck, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. What do we think about Pigpen McKernan? It this really is just the polar opposite of the complete surprise that Alan Wilson was for us. Yeah, I gotta say, um, you know, if if we're talking founding members of the Dead, we're talking Phil Lesh, Bob Weir, Jerry Garcia, and um, Mr. Pigpen McKernan, and he is my least favorite member of those four. I'm sure there were more sure. founding members, but those are the ones people know about. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ, no. I if, To listen to The Grateful Dead and be like, wow, this is not what I want to be listening to right now is insane to me that Pigpen's the one that did it for me, you know? Like, there's just yeah. nothing interesting happening on most of the songs that are on this playlist here. Um, just because he, he was super into blues standards, and it's like, I don't need to hear... 20 white guys doing blue standards yeah yeah i don't need to hear yeah. the blue standards with congas you know like yeah look like i think this is really where it comes down like i think my entire relationship to Pigpen mckernan can be summed up by i thought he was the drummer <laughs> and then once i figured out he wasn't the drummer okay yeah <laughs> It yeah, it changed your life. Zero All right, <laughs> yeah, like oh, he's not the drummer. What does what I does he play? What he did then. Well, keyboards yeah. kinda, harmonica, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like all right, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to discredit him. Like he can be, I'm sure he's a good musician. I'm sure there's you know other examples of Grateful Dead music that are like really good, but like I, it's just not grabbing me it. or impressing me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, 
Poor little Pigpen. He does have one of the great rock names of all time. Like, we can a- at good. least acknowledge that Pigpen McKernan yeah. is a fucking fantastic name. It's a killing. Particularly for, like... It's it's that, a top ten counterculture like, name, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The counterculture late 60s, early 70s. And, yeah. like, with his aesthetic, it's just all perfect. Like, yeah. everything... Yeah. Yes. It's pretty fantastic. So, PJ, what should we rate Pigpen... In terms of his 27-ness, and this is out of 27. What, like negative six? Yeah, now keep in mind, (laughs) the lowest we've gone so far is Brian Jones at a 15. Oh, no, 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 my mistake. Alan Wilson came in at an 11 out of 27. I think Pigpen's in that range. Eight. I would say, yeah, I would say he's lower only just because, like, while he was important to their early sound... Yeah. The band we all know as the Grateful Dead was not he had nothing I, look, to do. They with. wouldn't. I get that they wouldn't have gotten there maybe without him or whatever. Or like you know, the blues were obviously an important foundation for them to have gone through to get to their like famous sound. So I'm not saying he didn't do anything helpful along the way, but it's like their famous yeah. sound has nothing to do with him, unfortunately. Yeah. Whereas well, like with the Brian Jones, like, like yeah, the Rolling Stones still were insanely into the blues after he left. Even though, and like they still even, they got away from it for a while, but they still even like experimented and did some funkier instruments and stuff without him there. So like his, he kind of rubbed off on them and it, and it took. Well, shit, Keith Richards put out a blues album like three years ago. Right. And like, I guess with Alan Wilson kind of saying, you know, and like with Pigpen, they obviously still played the blues. And like, as we talked about, like Bob Weir made sure and to play some of his songs live after he died. So like he, you know, he had an effect on them and it was important, but it, it's definitely feels like the least substantial kind of effect that That any 27 club member has had so far. Yeah. 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 Like on culture at large and on the group they were in. Yeah. Yeah. He's not on any murals. He, if you talk to somebody on the street and you say, do you know Jim Morrison is? Yes. A lot of people would know. Sure. If you talk to somebody on the street and you say, do you know who Pigman McGurnan is? They're going to yeah. be like, no idea. Never yeah. heard of it. You know? I do not want to disparage the man named Pig, but <laughs> I almost feel like we could go to like a five out of 27. I, w- I wanted pen. to go like, lower. Yeah. It's pretty. It just feels I would very... say maybe a one, Pete. Like I he's think a... we gotta have the full range. <laughs> I think we gotta have. How Morrison's do we know that there's not gonna be another one though? Like I know with Morrison, it's like okay, maybe there's another twenty-seven. I feel like one should actually be reserved for the least. Like why? Are, uh, here's the deal. We did there. There are more members of the twenty-seven club. We did look through the list and try and only pick people that were worth at least in our minds talking about. So yeah, I think okay. giving someone like if we chose them to talk about, they're not a one. Like, yeah. Again, Let's go four. Not to say anything Let's, bad, but like Courtney yeah. Love is is like a one in the Twenty Seven Club. Courtney Actually, Love's not in the. Or wait, no. Who am I thinking of? Someone else from Hole. It was someone from Hole. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was another member of Hole, where it's like you're tangentially, but not really. Jim Morrison's girlfriend. You know, yeah, like yeah. It's like you have a relation to the grouping, and like you're vaguely, fan, but yeah. So I think I think Pigpen Let's say four. Let's compromise there. I think that's too 
You think it's too low? I was gonna go. I was gonna say let's compromise between five and eight and go like six, but let's go five then. All let's right, go five, five out of twenty-seven fine. for Pigman. I think uh, you know. I don't want to. We'll see how the rest of the show shakes out. I, I I think he might be the lowest, but I actually don't. I think there is competition. <laughs> so yeah. like I said, like these next couple episodes, it's gonna be artists that are very. There, uh, I guess I would just say these. This grouping of artists is a little more like cult famous like if you follow the band they're in you really love them but they're not known widely and so pigpen feels like that like if you're into the grateful dead you definitely know pigpen if you're really into classic rock you probably know the name but like you know he's not like a a famous person outside of certain kind of groupings whereas yeah like you said a jim morrison a Jimi hendrix you're just gonna know so yeah well and i'm sure you know yeah. yeah, exactly. Nobody fucking knows who so, Pigpen McCurran is. We'll give Pigpen, unless, yeah, yeah, a five out of twenty-seven, and uh, call that a wrap on on the Grateful Dead. <laughs> that's yeah. I think that's all that's important to cover about them. I don't know much more, so let's go ahead and call it. Yeah, they were nothing without Pigpen, in my opinion. That's right. And who's ever heard of the Grateful Dead? Right. Yeah. What they do after his death, I don't really know. Nothing good. Oh wait, did we say that he died at twenty-seven? Oh, same no, as all I guess the other I never, ones. I didn't yeah, do Yeah, I forgot to write that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as all the other members of the 27 Club, so. Huh. It feels like we're closer to understanding that name, but, like, it, it's like something in my brain is almost there, but then it just slips away at the last minute, and then I, I'm like, I don't understand yeah. still, but. You know, yeah, there's, it's like these synapses want to connect, but nothing, exactly. nothing going on. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm going to tease a little bit because it's probably the biggest release we've ever done. We're going to be talking about Badfinger, baby. Uh, <laughs> Peter's loving it. Maybe the I definition know. of like a cult popular rock group. Yeah. Uh, one of the first Apple Records signees. Uh, you, you know their songs from hit shows such as Breaking Bad. We will yep. we will be talking Badfinger. So join us next time on the Twenty Seven Club. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, listening. And I'll see you on the other side of um, that pig pen. <laughs> I didn't have one. Smell you later. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! It's so much better. <laughs>
a song recently that I don't think you'll like, but you will think is very funny. <laughs> okay. Um, is it Tony Rolo or whatever? Rolly no. Tony. Oh, Rolo man. What a good bit that would be if I just kept playing that song for you, it, though. It's our personal Rick Roll is the Rolo yeah. Tony. <laughs> Poor Rolo Tony. <laughs> um, maybe that should be our fucking theme song. Um, you, you're familiar with Loretta Lynn, yes? Yeah. I'm more aware of her. I don't know that I know that many Loretta Lynn okay. songs, but... Okay, let me play this song for you, because it cracks me the hell up. And I like it as a song, but I think I like old country music more than you do. Possibly. Although I take some of it. You do like some of it, yeah. Um, oh, it wasn't even a Loretta Lynn song. It was a Jeannie C. Riley song. About John C. Riley's mom? Yeah. Oh, God, I want Sonic so bad. I didn't even know they had cheeseburgers. I thought they just had fun drinks. Yeah, they do food. I think their food's supposed to be pretty bad. I've heard this song, but I don't know where. Keep it going. I, I mean, this is great, yeah. Ooh, there's a movie that they made. They made a movie based on this song. That's the weirdest shit I've That's ever heard in my life. That's wild. That's crazy. Anyway, basically she, you know, I don't yeah. know. It cracks me up. I don't know why. That's just the, I the think, idea of that in the yeah. 70s is really funny to me. I think that's just a random, like, my memory, I for sure heard that song. I think Shelby and I were maybe just on a road trip or something, and that came on Sirius XM. Because, like, be. and, like, yeah. Because that's, that's also maybe the only time I would have, because you're kind of right, like, I like I like that, but I think I would have switched the channel on it, except I think, like, we were on a road trip or something, so we just left it on. And, yeah, it was very good. I wonder wow. what song was that. I'm like, I wonder if that was one of the America Top 40 things that they... Because um, sometimes they'll play those from certain years, you know. You gotta look... You gotta just Google it. Oh, 1968. Whoa, that's really old. Film. Sure. Just the images are very... Oh, funny. they made the movie a full 10 years later, first of all, which is wild. 
<laughs> is it a musical? I don't. I don't think so, man. Uh, oh, Tom T. Hall wrote it. Of course, it's good. Barbara Eden I didn't... sure is wearing some short skirts. You got that right. Yeah, in August 1968, she scored a number one hit with Harper Valley PTA, Wildly. Um, it earned Jeannie C. Riley her own variety show called Harper Valley USA. And then wow. they made a movie and a sitcom. It looks like we're doing Jeannie C. Riley next. Yeah. 